Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Let's get into the Word today. I'm excited. I'm going to pick up, I just want to be honest with you, I'm going to pick up where I left off last week. So this is fight for heaven, the, the greatest attacks that the enemy comes against you with. We talked about last year, well, last week is the, the greatest attacks. The devil loves to attack us. How many of you know he loves to come against us and attack us, right? And then also the devil loves to attack us with different kinds of schemes. And so if you have your notes, this is going to be something new for today that will lead into point two from last week and then point three. The devil's schemes. Here's, I love this. Schemes, schemes set you up. For traps. How many of you know that the devil loves to have schemes in your life? He likes to scheme his way through. He likes to set you up for traps, to paralyze you, to set you up for a dead end. He likes to schemes. He likes to scheme. And also they make you uh, go maybe go against each other, maybe have schemes to make you gossip against each other, get angry with one another. He always uses different schemes or different devices to try to separate God's people. He knows that two or three agree, it shall be done. There's power in agreement. So if he can separate you and get schemes to get you mad at one another or offended, like we're talking on Wednesday nights, to be offended towards one another, it, all of a sudden, what does that do? It separates, it divides, it messes up unity, it messes up conformity of one for the power of God. And so he'll try to set up against one another. It also catches you off guard. Schemes catch you off guard. All of a sudden, you don't even realize that you're walking into a trap, and he likes to blindside you. The enemy always loves to come from behind. He's a blindsider, right? I don't know about you, but he likes to blindside you. I remember when I was a kid, I, I was dating this girl. And dating this girl, there was another guy that was jealous of me because I was dating this girl. And we were walking this I was walking this girl home from school. And, and man, I thought I was big and bad. And her, and her name was Cena Bell. And I was holding Cena's ha- Bell's hand, walking down the street. Man, and walking down the street, thought I was bad. And all of a sudden, the guy that liked Cena, his name was Lennox Carter. And Lennox Carter came up from behind came up from behind, and then I didn't even know he was coming, and he clocked me right here on the right side of my face. Bam! And, man, he nailed me so hard that I hit to the ground, and he took off running. And I had no idea that he was even coming. I didn't even see him coming. And, man, all of a sudden he nailed me, clocked me, man, and I had the next couple weeks, man, I kid you not, my eye was big, as big as a baseball. Man, I had this big bump in front of my face. Then for the next couple weeks it was always yellow under my eye. My eye was all red. But he blindsided me and he caught me off guard. And that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to set up schemes in your life and blindside you and hit you and catch you off guard. And when he catches you off guard, what it does, it rattles your faith, it rattles your foundation with God. Like, where did that come from? So that's a scheme, but here's an attack. And we've been talking about the greatest attack last week. We talked about the number one attack, first and foremost, is the attack of physically. The enemy loves to attack you physically, but the attacks are directed at you. Attacks are directed at you to do what? To hurt you. The enemy likes wants to come in and hurt you. He wants to bring you down. He wants to attack you. And where he always attacks you at is at your weakest moment. He always finds the weakest link in your chain. And so he'll attack you in that area. So if you're having an attack maybe in your faith, where is he going to attack? He's going to attack your faith. If you're having an attack in your maybe in your health, where is he going to attack? He's going to attack your health. If you're having an attack in your finances, where is he going to attack? He's going to attack your finances. He 
always attacks and the direct and assault at the area of your weakness. He always attacks that way. So he doesn't fight fair, but he always comes against you with a direct attack to hurt you, to discourage you. You know, the opposite of discourage is courage. And he wants to discourage you, and discourage you means maybe to quit. And the Bible says in Hebrews, don't throw away your confidence, because if you don't, it'll be richly rewarded to you. And the enemy wants to discourage you, which means coming against your confidence to make you stop going forward in the things of God. So he wants to discourage you or make you throw away your confidence so you just give up and quit. That's the way he wants to attack you and also to bring you down. The enemy wants to bring you down. Once he's got you where he wants you, now he's going to get you. And when he's got you down, he's going to pounce on you. So that's attacks. He comes directly at you. Schemes, he uses people, he uses other things to set you up for traps. But attacks means I'm coming right at you. But our theme verse that we used last week was Matthew chapter 4. And here's an direct attack at Jesus. Here's an direct attack at Jesus. I always say that when does he attack you the most? When you're at your lowest of lows and your highest of highs. Here's an example of Jesus being attacked at the lowest of lows. He says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In other words, he had a right on the about face, right face to face encounter with the enemy. Man, he was being set up to be tempted, to be pressured, to be man, to, uh, uh, to be pulled away, to be enticed by by the lies and the deception of the enemy. He said, after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. How I many you know, man? If we go without a day without eating, our stomach turns into Daniel and the lion's den. Right? It starts roaring, man. It starts eating us up and devouring us on the inside. And man, we go without food. We get weak. We get tired. We get cranky. We get mad. We get upset because all of that's happening because we're hungry. Can you? Imagine Imagine Jesus, man, 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak and he was frail. And then he goes on in verse 3. He says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then he goes on in verse 4. He's look at Jesus' reply. Jesus answered, it is written. As we talked about last week, it is written means truth. So every time when you see that word in those in the chapters, right above that you should put truth. It is written, truth. What is truth through? Truth sets you free. Truth overcomes the enemy. Truth beats up the enemy. He cannot stand truth. They said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he, that's how he combats the enemy. Then he goes on to say, then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And then he goes on to watch this. He said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down down. Another temptation. He said, listen, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. So in other words, can you get this? Even the enemy was using the word. Listen, always remember, one of the ways that the enemy loves to entice God's people is give you a little bit of truth of God's word. After all, the enemy knows God's word. He was there enthroned with heaven until he got cast down from heaven. He knows the word. So how he traps God's people is luring you by a little bit of the word. So you may hear a phrase, you may hear a word that comes from a verse, and all of a sudden your ears perk up and say, yeah. That comes from the Word of God. You have to decipher, is that really God's Word? Man, is it all the whole truth, nothing but the truth? The enemy will sprinkle in a little bit of truth to get your attention, and once he's got you, he's going to hook you. So always remember that. He tried to come against the Lord with his own word. And he says, and they lift, and they will lift you up in his hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But look at Jesus' response. 
Jesus answered him, it is also written, truth, truth. Do not put the Lord your God to test. Don't put the Lord your God to test. And what the enemy will do? He'll always test you. Do you really believe God won't do this for you? Do you really believe he'll do this and really do that? He'll always test you. He'll test you in your physical things. He'll test you in your spiritual. And he'll test you in, 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 in material. Then Jesus watches what he goes on in verse 8. He said, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Man, can you imagine that? Watch this. It's like a J.C. Penny catalog or, man, getting the Coles catalog when it comes in the mail. Man, man, seeing all those things, right? All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. So do you get that? He come against the materially wise. He was coming against them. He couldn't come against them physically, spiritually. Now he's coming against them material things. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is Written, once again, truth. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, you know in baseball, three strikes, you're out. Guess what happened in verse 11? Three strikes and the devil was out. Then the devil left him. He lost. He lost because God came against him, not with his own strength, his own charisma, like we do sometimes. We think we can handle the battle. is not ours. It's the Lord's. But we like to take the battle, and we like to control the battle. We like to try to win the battle. But you're never going to win the battle in your own strength and your own might against the enemy. You come against him with the things of God. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who is he? And what happened when, when Jesus was faced with the enemy, what did he do? He recognized Jesus, and he recognized Paul for the spirit of God that was on him. But the man, he said, who are you? And what did he do? He beat the man up and tore his clothes off, and the man walked away with embarrassment because he was coming with his own strength and his own power and his own ability. If you want to win this war and fight for heaven and win, you have to come with the anointing and the unction and the power and of the word of God. It's by the word of God they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, which lives in you. So don't be surprised if you're getting beat up, if you're trying to go against the enemy with your own arsenal, with your own words, with your own strength, with your own ability. You only beat spiritual things with spiritual things, and that's the word of God. Always remember that. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So when you think about that, the devil left him. Jesus went through those low times to show us that we can make it if we stay in faith. Why do you think that's true? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what does the enemy try to whittle at? He tries to whittle at your faith. Your faith means confidence, trust, hope, belief in God. So if he can come against your faith, what's that going to do? It's going to detach you from the train. It's going to detach you from the things of God. And the more you get detached from God, the powerless you become. You become weak. You become vulnerable. You become fragile to the things of God. So he wants to detach you from the truth, from the word of God. So he comes against your faith. He makes you doubt. You say, you say to this mountain, have no doubt in your heart, but believe in what you said. It shall be removed or shall be gone. You see, having doubt, the opposite of faith is doubt. And when God, what the enemy wants to do is bring doubt and cloud your mind with the doubts and the things against God. So he says, listen, you've got to stand in faith. So let me ask you, where's your faith level with God right now? 
Is it fragile? Is it weak? Are you on the, uh, on the point of giving up? I love what it says in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, it's supposed to be 19. I think it says on your, your, uh, your, your paper, verse 13, but it starts with verse 19. Verse 19, the author of Lamentations starts out by saying this. Watch this. Always remember, you have to do your part, and God will do his part. With every action, there's a reaction. You got to remember that. With every action, there's a reaction. I remember when I was a kid, I would love to take rocks and, man, to, to skip them across the water. How many of you ever done that before, take rocks and just skip them? Isn't that fun? You just take them and you skip them. And, man, I, I love that you try to find the smoothest rock, and you get down and you got to, and you whip it across the water, and you find out how many times it would skip across the water. But you notice that rock wouldn't have skipped across the water if you didn't do your part. And then once you did your part, it skipped. It's the same way with you. If you don't go to work, you're not going to get a paycheck. You've got to do your part to get a paycheck in anything that you do in life. So the, book, the author in Lamentation says this, I remember my afflictions and my wandering. In other words, the pain, the agony, the scars, the battles that I've gone through in life. But then what's this? The bitterness of the gall. Then he goes on, watch this. I well remember them. I well remember them. You know what your pains and your scars are for? They're mementos of the victories that you had in your life. You see, your pain should not be turned into bitterness. Your pain should be turned into victory. Your pain is a reminder that I won through that pain, and now I have the victory. And what he's saying is I remember them. I remember them that I was once lost, but now I'm found. I once was going through discouragement and defeat, but now I have the victory. But he said, well, remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. But watch this, verse 21. Look at what he says. Look at how he does his part, how he flipped the script, how he flipped the script and how he took control and he changed directions in his life. If you're going down the wrong direction in your life and your direction in which you're going is, I'll never make it, I'm doomed, I'm never, I'm going down, I'm, I'm quitting, I'm giving up. You need to flip the squid script and turn around and do an about face and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to make it. I know that God said I can. I'm more than a conqueror. Sometimes you need to flip the script and say, no, I'm not going to receive that. And here's a, a verse where he flipped the script. He said, yet this I call to mind. He flipped the script. He remembered his pain, his agony, but now he says, yet I call this to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Watch this. I have hope. <laughs> you see what he says? Because watch. This is so cool. Molly, this is for you. Greg, this is for you. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Somebody say amen. I may be going under, but I'm not going down. I may be like a bobber. I may be bobbing up and down, but I'm going to come back. When I, get, you know, when I go under, I'm coming back. And not consumed for his compassion's Never fail. See what he did? He flipped the script and he came back to his senses and said, listen, I may be going through this pain and agony in my life, but my God is able to do all things. Look at what he says in the next verse. This is so cool. He says this, they are new every morning. Great is 
your faithfulness, God. Faithfulness means steadfast. He would follow through in what he said. He is committed to his word. And in verse 24, he says, I say to myself, look at this. This is so cool. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Notice what he's doing now. You got to get this. He's doing his part. With every action, there's a reaction. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Verse 25. He says, the Lord is good. Watch this. The Lord who's good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. So when you see that word, you need to put your name there. Stephanie, to the one. Stephanie, who puts her hope in him. Stephanie, the one who seeks him. Jane, the one who loves him. You notice what he said? You do your part, then I will be faithful and do my part. Don't expect something for free. I remember when I was a kid, I loved going to the grocery store with my mom. My favorite cereal was Captain Crunch. And we only got it special on special times. We always used to get the generic brand because we couldn't afford the Captain Crunch or the Crunch Berries and all the regular stuff. So we got the generic brand. But then when I got a chance to get Captain Crunch, I always looked to see what they had in the box for the free toy. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And I realized that, man, it really wasn't free. What they did is they raised the cereal up another five cents to pay for that toy. How many of you know if you go to McDonald's with your kid and you get a Happy Meal? That's not really a Happy Meal because it went from $4, now it's $5 because you're paying for that toy. Right? Nothing's free. You got to do your part. You have to do your part. So in saying that, there are two part promises, and I kind of touched on this a little bit last Sunday, but I want you to get this in your spirit. In your spirit, two part promises. Number one, the unconditional promise. The unconditional promise says this: God states that He will do something regardless of man's behavior. In other words, he is faithful. When God says it, nothing can get in the way of God's promises. God will follow through with his promise no matter what man thinks, says, or even does. God will follow through with his word, his promise. His promise is yes and amen. No matter what tries to come against it, God's word will not return void. So if God says that by his stripes you are healed, that is a promise. Expect it, believe it, receive it in your life. God has given you that promise to hold on to. Amen? But here's the other one. Is this, the conditional promise. The conditional promise means God's, means God's actions are based in part by man's response to God's command. So God asks you to draw near to him and then he'll draw near to you. You see, you got to do your part, and then he'll do his part. So many times what we want to do is that, God, you show me first, you bless me first, and when you bless me first, then, God, I'll be motivated to do that what you called me to do. That's not faith. Faith means by what? Faith is the substance of things unseen, but things hoped for. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you ever notice that when you spell now, now means, you spell it backwards, it means, now means right now. It means one, W-O-N. Spell now backwards, it means one. If you now, if you do it now, you're going to win. You're going to win. You've got to act out your part. Do what God's called you to do. Don't sit on your blessed assurance and say, God, you show me first, and then I'm going to do it. That's not how it works. You have to do your part. I love this next one. Listen, what man does, therefore, influences God's fulfillment 
of his promise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When our kids were growing up, we used to pay them allowance. And what we did is that we gave them, it, it may be something big to you and it's not big. It wasn't a lot of money. But every week they would start out with 10 dimes, a dollar. And what we would do is this. We would give them 10 dimes. And by the end of the week, they would have, Rick, you have 10. Heidi, you have 10. CJ, you have 10. And we would have these 10 dimes. And then by the end of the week, we would give them their allowance by what they did. And so, man, they would go through the day and they'd make their beds in the morning or they'd do the dishes or whatever the, their assignment was. And if they followed through with their assignment, by the end of the week, guess what they got? They got all 10 dimes. But if they didn't, we would take away a dime. And, man, what our kids would do, our kids would be like, man, how come Heidi got all 10 and I only got eight? CJ would say, man, why did Rick get eight and I only got six? And my wife and I would look at him and say, hey, uh, Rick, Heidi got 10 because you didn't do your part. CJ, Rick got eight because you didn't do all your part. And what it showed was, listen, I have to do my part to earn what I was rightfully given to me. And listen, God says, listen, he's, he doesn't give you according to, you know, that, man, your wishes and your desires. But when you do your part and you do activate your faith, it moves God to want to do his part. And so, so many times what happens, we forfeit the blessings in our lives. What man does influences God. So, man, Heidi got all ten, Rick got eight, CJ got six. What about you? Are you doing your part? I love this. A commitment is a pledge. God has made a commitment or a pledge to you. But here's what it says. A statement of sure promise. When God makes a commitment or a pledge to you, it's a statement of a sure thing. His word will not return void. So when the enemy tries to come in and tell you, do you really believe that? You need to respond back to him and say, yes, I do. Shut off the peanut gallery to the voices of the enemy that try to make you doubt the promises of God's word. You need to shut them off and not receive them in your spirit. So many times we allow that to get into our mind, and then it goes to our heart, and then it affects our heart because all of a sudden our heart's now walking in the spirit of doubt. When that enemy tries to come in and start speaking doubt and questioning your faith and telling you that you really believe that, you need to respond back to them and say, yeah, I believe that. No questions asked. Stop playing the thing all over again. I love this. So a commitment is this. It means a sure promise. So the value of any commitment, now you got to get this. I love this. The value of any commitment, and you have to ask yourself, is God able to do this? The value of any commitment is this. The ability of the promise maker, which is God, his promises are yes and amen, 2 Corinthians 1, 18, 19, and 20. His promises are yes and amen. The ability of the promise maker to fulfill the promise. So when God says to you he's going to make a promise, does he not have the ability to fulfill that promise? Absolutely. Have you ever had a person tell you that they're going to do this and then walk away and you've said, yeah, right, I bet. I'll believe it when I see it. And the reason why you may have said that is because, first of all, maybe they don't have the ability to do what they promised. Maybe they don't have the skill set. Maybe they don't have the resources or whatever that promise was. So you walk away thinking, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Why? Because you think, man, they don't have the ability to do that. But with God, he has the ability. The second one is this. I love this. The integrity. 
the integrity of the promise maker, the promise maker, which might also be stated as character. And what is God's character? God is a God that he cannot lie. So his character is he's truthful, he's honest, and he will follow through with his word. His word is his bond. And so when he says these things, he's going with his character. My character is truth. I cannot and I shall not and I will not lie. So he says his character to follow through on what has been said. You want to you judge a man or a woman by their character? See if they follow through with their word. See if they'll follow through with what they said they will do. Maybe many of us have been let down by somebody's character because they never followed through with what they said they're going to do. I was reading on Facebook the other day, and I could tell it was, it was a jab that somebody was getting back at others that promised that they were going to come and be a part of what they've started to do. And I could tell once I read it, well, that's a jab. The people that said they're going to help aren't showing up, and the people that said they're going to go aren't going, and now they're lashing back. And you could tell right off the bat. But with God, he has integrity or his character to follow through in what he said. God has the ability and character to follow through with his word. But what about you? What about you following through with your word? The conditional promise that God, you said it, I believe it, that settles it. But God, it also says, if I seek you, I will find you. If I ask, it shall be given. If I knock, it shall be open. You notice doing your part? But don't sit back and get mad at God if you're not doing your part. Don't get mad at your coworkers or your workers if they're getting paid and you're not because you're maybe not going to work. You get rewarded by those diligently seeking God. He says, listen, I love this. Promises broken is blessings lost. Can I ask you, how many blessings have you lost? Have you lost with God? Maybe you've broken promises with God. Maybe you even started out this new year saying, God, I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. Man, I'm going to dedicate my time more to you, God. And you got down through the first week in January, and all of a sudden that promise broke. And now you're like, God, where are you? God said, I never left. You're the one who made the promise. So many times promises are broken, and then what happens? Blessings are lost. And then someone's promised you that they'll be there to help you maybe move or help you to do this and that, and guess what happens? They don't come, and because they don't come, you lost. You lost out maybe on, on time, and you lost maybe out on resources. They promised they're going to come to your house and eat dinner and they didn't show up. See what happens when you don't fulfill your part? Promises broken, our promises lost. How many blessings have you lost because of broken promises? How many blessings have you lost because of broken promises? Well, now get back into last week's message. God promises us to be faithful in the midst of our attacks. And what is our attacks? Our attacks means to hurt you, to bring you down, and discourage you. We read in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was tempted in three different ways. Last week we talked about the first place where devil loves to attack you at is physically. If he can attack you physically, then makes you want to give up and quit. Like we talked about Job last week. But today, here's a second area that the enemy likes to attack you at. But as we talk about these attacks, always remember that God is faithful. God is true to his promise. 
He walks with integrity. He has the ability to pull you through if you continue to walk in faith. So always remember that. So what is the next attack that the enemy loves to do? Is spiritual. If he can't get you physical, if he can't get you physically, he'll get you spiritually. In James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, he says these words, When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. Because God won't tempt you. So you need to settle that issue right off the bat. Where is this temptation coming from? Where is this attack coming from? So many times we want to blame things on God when God can't do that what you're thinking. And he says, when tempted, no one should say God has tempted me. God will never tempt you. He will never call you to do something that is outside of the word of God. Anything that's outside of the word of God is contrary to truth. And God is all truth and the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And he's not going to ask you to do something that's going to break his word or break his promise or break the truth. So when tempted, you need to say, wait a minute. This doesn't line up with the word of God. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to indulge in it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to fall into this snare or this scheme or this trap. This is a trap. When God is tempted, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So you need to remind yourself when you're feeling this pull of temptation, where is this temptation coming from? And when you have that in the mindset of where this temptation is coming from, guess what, Jeff? You're going to have the ability and the strength to overcome that temptation because God says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you have to remind yourself, where is this temptation coming from? He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own, by their own evil desire and entice. You know where evil desires start? It always starts in the mind. Does it not? You know when evil things really start? A lot of times when you're by yourself. When you're alone, man, your mind starts to wander. Thoughts start to take place. Man, imagination starts running. And all of a sudden it goes from the mind to the heart, not overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. You start doing, reacting to that thing, what's put into the gas tank. And so he says, by your own. And so you listen, you have a conscience. You know between right and wrong. There's a difference between condemnation. Condemnation brings guilt, shame, and all that kind of stuff upon you. But conviction reveals the truth, and the truth will set you free. So a lot of times what happens is God will send the Holy Spirit to convict you or to enlighten you that that's the wrong way. And then when he does that, you have a choice. Are you going to go down that avenue, or are you going to do an about face and say, thank you, Lord, for enlightening me. I'm not going to take that, that path. And you have to pay attention to that. So look at this. I love the next verse, verse 15. He says in verse 15, he says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Isn't that exactly right? I remember in my B.C. days, I'll never forget in my B.C. days. Man, I'll tell you, I made a mess of things in my B.C. days. When I was on my high, when I was drinking and I was an alcoholic and doing my drugs and everything, Man, man, it felt good at that moment. But once I got woke up and came back to my senses, I realized the mess I made. And you know what kind of mess I made when I was drunk and high and everything I was doing? The things I said, the things I did, 
man, I had to pick up the pieces. And that's what he's talking about. It gives birth to sin. Sin leads to death. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And you know what I was doing? I was giving birth to sin. And what I was doing, I was destroying relationships, destroying friendships, destroying my body, destroying things around me because I was giving birth to sin, and sin leads to destruction. But watch this. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Wow. How many of you have brought death to a situation in your life? Because you were tempted away and pulled away by things. Look at this. The devil loves to put temptation all around us to test our faith, trust, and belief in God. He's going to test you. Temptations show the depth of our faith and trust of the truth of God's word. Man, the depth of our faith. God, I'm not some shallow Christian. I'm anchored. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13. It says, as these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the collaboration, or how I would say that word, of the ages has come. Now watch this. These things happen to them to show to you and to give you hope that if we can do it, you can make it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now watch this. No temptations have overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. I better say faithful. God is faithful. What did he say in Lamentations chapter 3? Great is thy faithfulness. He is faithful. He will help you through. But you got to trust him. You got to depend on him. You got to put your hope in him. Let him go before you. Let the battle is not yours, it's God's. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But here's the great thing. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can, can endure it. Man, can you imagine that? So he says, Jamie, when you're faced with temptation, man, and you're going to be, every one of us, but when you're tempted, Trust me during your temptation, and I will make a way of escape for you so that you don't end up in sin, and sin gives birth to death. Listen to this. Example of others prove to us if they can make it, so can we. The devil never tires in trying to tempt us, but we must always be alert and on guard. I got You got to get this. God doesn't act. God doesn't act or feel faithful. He is faithful. He doesn't act or feel faithful. He is faithful. God never fails. God never quits. God never ends anything on a negative. God is faithful. You need to establish that in your heart, that God is faithful. The last one is this material. I'm going to blow through this. In verse 10, when the enemy said, you can have all this, the third greatest attack physical, spiritual, material. The third greatest attack. The enemy wants to fill our cups with other material things and take our eyes off God. Material things can blind your eyes to the things of God. It will fill your life with a false joy. They're here today and gone tomorrow. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted this, I wanted that, I wanted this, I wanted that, and I finally get it for Christmas, and after I play with it two weeks, it was put up on my shelf in my closet, and that summer, man, guess what? After Christmas, that summer, it was in a garage sale. It only had a temporary feeling. 
But I thought I needed that. And then I had it. It only was sustaining for two weeks. But God's joy is eternal. It's everlasting. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. In Nehemiah 8.10, he said, The joy of the Lord is the strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That God's joy, God's joy is eternal. It's everlasting. True joy comes from Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. Material things are like a quick fix, but God is eternal joy. I'm not saying that material things are bad. In Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking God first. Say, God, I'm going to seek you first. Then all these things will come into place. They'll come into alignment. God, but you are first and foremost in my life. You're the number one priority, God. I will seek you. Our focus, thoughts, and actions should be on him first. Then everything else will fall into place. God's gift have eternal value. The worlds are here today and gone tomorrow. We have CDs with Christ, Christ's dividends. In other words, investments with Christ. There is nothing wrong with material things as long as we don't put them above God. As long as we don't put them above God. And i got to close with this verse. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, And without faith it's impossible to please God. If you want to make God happy, people always say, How can I make God happy? You remain in faith. Remaining in faith means, God, I'm steadfast. I'm trusting you regardless of how I feel, think, or do. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to go on my feelings. I'm going to trust you in the good and the bad. That's how you make God happy. Because anyone who comes to him, now watch what he says, must believe that he exists. Now you get that? But look what he says. It doesn't end there must believe that he exists. All of us here today believe that Jesus exists. We have him in our heart. But then it goes on to say, believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards us. He rewards us not maybe with material things or financial possessions and so on, but he rewards you. Now watch this. God rewards us with wisdom to gain wealth. You know what we do as people? We spend our health to gain wealth. Then we spend our wealth to gain health. Think about it. But God rewards us for those who diligently seek Him. And God rewards us with wisdom to gain wealth, power to win battles, comfort in our storms, and hope to the hopeless. God rewards us. Jump down, down, down. Blessings come when we run to Him and nothing else. Run with faith. Run to God with faith. Run to God with perseverance. Don't resist and stop. Don't quit. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. You will reap a harvest in Galatians 5, verse 9. If you do not quit, perseverance means staying in there, fighting the fight. Run with expectancy. I believe that God is going to answer my prayer. And I close now in James 1, verse 12. Blessed, this is your, this is you. Blessed is the one who preserves under trials. You're going to have trials. Every one of us is not exempt from trials. There's going to be situations, hardships that are going to happen in your life. I sense there's some in here right now in this room. He said, watch this, preserves under trials, having stood the test, you you can't have a testimony if you don't have a test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
So what are you saying? He said, listen, stay in there, do your part. The unconditional promise, do your part, and I'll do mine. I will be faithful to help you in your time of need. Just hold on. Will you stand with me this morning? Hold on. Your knuckles may be getting white right now. You got to fight for heaven. Man, in the end, it's going to be rewarding. It's going to be great. We're all going to be attacked one way or another. The enemy doesn't fight fair. We talked about that. We talked about his promises. We talked about the ability, the integrity of God. He has the ability to do it and the integrity of his character, and he will do it. And he will do it for you. You know why he'll do it for you? Because Patty, he's not a respecter of person. He's able to do it for you. So allow him to. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this morning there may be those that are being attacked spiritually as well as physically and materially, trying to find happiness, joy, and and things and places and other things. But God, I pray that today they will seek you while you may be found. That you, Lord God, will come to their rescue, jump into their boat, and calm the storm to life. Be faithful, as you say in your word. Your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which it said it will do. So I pray in Jesus' name that, God, we, Lord, will seek you. We will cry out to you. and Most of all, trust you and believe and stand in faith. Lord, touch your people. Help them in whatever they're going through. And, Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. God bless you this morning. Pastor Andy, God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.